0: Welcome to episode 5 of TechZing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey guys. If you want to comment on anything we're talking about, um, go to trim forward slash TechZing5. That's tr.im forward slash TechZing5, where you'll get uh, directly into this show's notes and also discussion area.
1: So today we're here with uh, Joel Raymond. He's located actually of, of Tenerife. He's an independent software developer um, who's done some really interesting stuff with Erlang and Forth. And um, I think we'd just like to ask him a lot of questions about some of the projects he's worked on and some of the technologies he's experimented with. I
0: was just wondering if, if you could
1: just sort of say, what is Erlang?
0: It comes from Ericsson, right? It's, it's, it's open yeah, source, it comes from, from
2: Ericsson. Ericsson. Uh, I mean, quoting quoting the frequently asked questions. Uh, Erlang is a general-purpose programming language and runtime environment, yeah. and it has built-in support for concurrency, distribution, and fault tolerance.
1: Yeah, because you you know I, I guess one of the keys is the, is its ability to scale massively and have all these independent processes. So, the, the, uh, Joel, the the problem you were solving was this. I think you said it was called Open Poker. So this. Uh, you know, projects seem to be the, I guess, an example of, or a typical example of this kind of uh, use of your link. So yeah, just tell us a little about the project.
2: I started. I started with uh, Delphi. I didn't like that. Um, I, I I proceeded to C sharp. Um, and I didn't know C sharp at the time. Uh, I looked at after uh, after that. I looked at Scheme. I looked at Common Lisp. And I'd say that Common Lisp was uh, the father's. I got well. I basically produced a working uh, uh, poker engine in Lisp, but I realized that I couldn't scale it. Um, If I wanted a a scalable poker server, then you know, I figured Lisp wasn't quite it. And I don't remember how I stumbled on uh, upon Erlang. But uh, my first reaction was that the syntax is completely off-putting.
1: Right. <laughs> I just hate it. It does I look a little syntax.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And uh, after that, I managed to, to rewrite my, uh, my uh, poker engine uh, and um, make it into a poker server, a full-fledged poker server in the span of about six weeks, I think.
1: Huh. That's pretty amazing. Um, was, I
2: that's what I thought. Not not because I'm such a great programmer, but because I didn't face any you know, huge obstacles on my way. I was just able to you know, crank it out and, and just So do basically,
0: it. you just you you were able to uh, using Erlang. If i if I'm understanding you correctly, you were able to write the business logic, but you didn't have to worry about the whole connection aspect. You didn't have to worry about the scaling side.
2: Basically, that's basically it. Yeah. I, I did have to. I mean, you can't. You, you do have to write with scalability, fault tolerance, etc. in mind, but okay. Erlang makes it so much easier.
1: I mean, it's, I guess it's an example of finding the right tool for the for the problem.
2: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. But it's. I mean, every coin has two sides to it, right? Yeah. And uh, Erlang just happens to be um, pretty unique in that. Uh, it was created to build uh, fault-tolerant, scalable systems, uh, te- telco telco applications, basically. Um, but I happened to, uh, you know, to have um, after after Erlang, I tried writing software in Haskell, Camel, uh, Lisp. Just a few um, languages, you know. A, just, a few languages, but just a few yeah, tests. I mean, fun, functional, <laughs> functional language. No, actually, not, 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 not just a few tests. Because my, my approach is, uh, I find it, uh, I find it that I learn best under a certain amount of pressure. So, my, uh, uh, my uh, uh, usual approach is just to say, Hell, well, this is a new project. I have to do it. So, why don't I just pick? you know, language X, which seems to be good for the job. And then I happen to be the sort of like the pioneer with the arrows in my back because I may not have chosen the, you know, the right language for the problem. But the problem is that there aren't many languages as suitable for a particular problem as Erlang. The rest of the languages are fairly sort of you know, multifaceted, and you can do different things
0: with them. Can I ask a question about Erlang? Is it a language or is it a server, or is it both? It is a platform. It is a language.
2: Um, It is a runtime environment, a virtual machine. And it is a set of libraries um, that facilitate building
0: scalable and fault-tolerant systems. So can I, I mean, because... Let's say I didn't want to to learn Erlang, but I wanted to make use of, of its fault tolerance and scalability. Could I embed you know PHP, Perl, or other other um, scripts inside it, like in the same way that um, you know CGI
1: bins work with a web server?
0: Mm, no. Well, that answers that then.
1: <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the the library is what's called Open to OTP or something.
2: Yes, was... the Open Telecom Platform.
1: No, it's called Open Telecom Platform, but it's not necessarily telephony applications. It's just it's more generic than that. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so all right, well, so let's dig into Erlang a little bit. So it's this functional language. It's um and it's built for this sort of scalability and having lots of processes. And I, I think I remember reading in your article that you had even on your laptop like some like eight hundred thousand processes running on your laptop mm. as it as a test.
2: Not. Sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A little old article. Let's see here.
2: You can can run. um, um, I forgot. I think people have gotten up to a million processes, but it's it's um it's a bit misleading because uh, I mean Erlang processes are very small. And uh, if they're not doing anything, they they may, uh, they start out as, uh, um, I think, about 300, uh, less than 400 bytes um, in size. So certainly if you have lots of memory, you can start a lot of this process. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that they will all be doing something useful.
1: Right, I understand. Um, I understand. But but the processes themselves aren't going to kill the machine, whereas if you have a whole bunch of processes, even without doing much on some environments, might cause a problem, right? I mean, just, the, just yeah. the act of switching back and forth between all those processes yeah, can really kind of kill, kill the uh, environment. So, um, uh, Okay, so, you, but you initially said you, you tried doing this in uh, Python and some of these other languages, C Sharp. I mean, did you actually try and get these things to scale, or at or, or what point did you decide, okay, you know, Python or C Sharp or C++ isn't going to work, I'm going to bail, and I'm going to try something else?
2: Oh, I was, just, um, I was just going by the feel of it. Okay.
1: I mean, so it wasn't like you said, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to really push it, and then you just hit, hit, hit sort of a brick wall with one of those languages. Like, this just isn't going to happen. It's just not going to scale. You just sort of no. said, all right, it doesn't look like it's really going to solve it in the way I want, so I'm not going to push further?
2: Uh, sort of, sort of. It's more like, hey, you know, I don't think this, this, is, this gives me the tools to scale from, you know, from what I know. And uh, wow, this you know, Erlang, uh, everyone is talking about it. And it seems to give me the, the, you know, give you the tools to scale. So why don't I just, rather than trying to push this, you know, further with this other languages, why don't I try the language that gives me the,
0: you know, does, the tools I need? Does Erlang uh, have its own database system, or does it connect to other databases?
2: It has its own database system, and uh, it does connect to other databases. Um, although not, um, well. I think it comes with, with an uh, ODBC um, adapter package.
0: Um, but it also has its own built-in database called Mnesia. Because what worries me about what we've discussed so far is, when, when I asked the question about um, if it can interact with, with PHP and other, and other things like that, that sounds to me like it's, it's very sort of its own little thing integrated into its own little ecosystem and that it can't connect to the external world. Well, you you can you can interoperate
2: with other systems. Uh, there are certain facilities like you can you can open um, uh, you can open a pipe to a standalone program. Uh, you can connect via TCP sockets. Um, you can even you can even load external libraries uh, like C libraries, although that's that's a sep- uh, world of pain basically at the moment, uh,
0: from the foreign language interface that exists within Erlang. But so that means the CGI paradigm it do- it does basically exist within Erlang then, because well, know, if if you can if you can you know write to a pipe and get back from a pipe, then you can you know communicate with external programs you you
2: yeah yeah but you know it's uh, erlang also has a built-in it has a built-in web server now httpd uh there also there's also Yours and macher web you know, existing web servers but uh my perspective is that you really do best if you try to stay within erlang with the exception of perhaps using um uh, a, a database like uh, Postgres or MySQL
0: okay so you so so you can do it but it's just it it's that negates the, the scalability of it basically because you're you're limited to whatever you're talking to you're sort of you know you're as weak as the weakest link then is that the sort of thing its mean
2: true true but uh, I mean you can you can certainly talk to several instances of, of, of a single database. Um, i mean you can talk to several database servers etc cetera, etc cetera. so you can you can engineer around it uh, but you know things within erlang just work you know so much easier
1: Okay. From the perspective of a lot of our listeners, you probably might look at it as a solution to a couple of problems like, okay, you have a a website or web application and you want to make some aspect of it real time. When people start building those types of problems, they're not thinking, oh, okay, now we're just going to build this whole thing in Erlang. It's already built using Ruby or Python or PHP or ASP or something. And so now they are thinking, okay, now we've got to figure out some way to get this, get something to scale.
2: Um, if you need a portion of your website or uh, application to be, uh, you know, specifically scalable or fault tolerant, uh, you could just um, um, hide it in a black box uh, I
1: with, was uh, with, that, yeah. a, with a
2: with a, with a web server with a REST interface. I mean, hide it um, hide it behind the web
0: service. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking it sounds like Erlang would be great to build service. Say, for example, you wanted to build like a, a, you know, a job queuing system, you know, so you had, um, you know, you may have, I don't know, 10,000 Apache instances and different virtual servers, and you want them all to fire to one queuing system, one centralized job queuing system, Uh, you know, for example, uploading images or changing profiles or something like that. So really to make system very scalable. Sounds like Erlang could be quite good in that scenario
2: that that has been done already hmm. uh, that has been done by the folks at um, at the engine yard um, uh, they built a system called nanite so if i pronounce it correctly
1: uh, so what's engine yard
2: um it's a, it's a, it's a company
1: um, okay. you and can you can look them up they're like a they, ruby. A... they specialize in they specialize in hosting uh, ruby um and did they use erlang
0: or... to do that to do the to do the, the job queuing system
2: um, well, yeah, sort of. Uh, there, is, um, there is a there is a real time uh, message broker called uh, Rabbit MQ, um, and that it's written in Erlang. Uh, okay. So what they did is they, they made use of that to implement the job queuing system uh, with a Ruby interface, and um, you know it's it happens to be written in Erlang. And the interface to it, you can interface to it from, uh, from C, from Ruby, from Erlang, but it's, it's, it's a black box.
1: Now, did, um, did uh, Facebook, did, I, I don't know if I may have this wrong, but I thought I remember hearing Facebook that you was making use of Erlang to solve some of their problems, their scalability problems, like their news feed or stream, some of their streaming solutions. It, 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 am I right about that or am I, am I confused with something else?
2: I think the chat system is um, uses Erlang or portions of the chat system.
1: Right. So that's just an example of a of a massive effort of 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 working in Erlang. So it's just Erlang just isn't this sort of uh, kind of you know strange little language that a few people were using on the edge. I mean, you have an example of of Facebook using it. So it's right up front, and people, you know, a lot of people on this uh, of our listeners are probably using it, and they're like, hey, Erlang is really driving this whole thing. So hey, listen, would you mind if I uh, slightly change the uh, topic? Away from Erlang a little bit. No, well, I think that's fine. I mean, we've covered a lot of it. Um, it may actually, feel- it may
0: actually be, uh, the, it may be about Erlang, depending on uh, Joel's uh, answer to the question. Sure. Uh, what's the most fun project you've worked on?
1: <laughs> that sounds uh, like your uh, question fun. that you posted uh, the, uh, on Stack Overflow. Like, what's the most useful PHP function? <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> fun, uh, well, I like these open because- For me, a fun project for me is a, is a challenging project. Yeah. So I I would I would uh, you know rephrase it uh, you know internally as as the most challenging project that I worked on. Okay. And uh, usually uh, a good challenge for me is is a project where I have to get up to speed from you know from basically zero uh, to a certain proficiency level a level of expertise and then deliver the project. Um, from that point of view, the most fun project for me was probably porting a commercial force system from uh, Linux to the Mac. To the Mac um, because I had to learn um, x86 assembler from scratch. I had to learn, um, you know, the format of the Mac, uh, ex- the Mac executable, Mac O executable format. And then I had to create Mac binaries on Linux to bootstrap my, my um, sort of my, my mac uh, porting effort so i had to create a mac uh, binary mac program on linux copy that over to my mac system and then i could you know i could
1: let it take from there Nice. Oh, that right there is hardcore yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, it's, that's uh, that's uh, what they call uber coding or alpha geekery I mean that's hardcore um so well you know what I think is interesting what yeah just give a real quick um, description of, of fourth well, I mean I I've, I'm a little bit I'm a little familiar with it but I'm that's, that's sort of a, one of those obscure languages so what is forth and why do people use it it's, it's a great
2: language to bring up embedded systems, like systems with a very uh, small amount of memory. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's exceptionally great uh, when you have to, what you can do with it is you can build a small sort of core, let's say one kilobyte or, or small, you know, 2Ks. You can upload that to the uh, embedded system, uh, you know, something running brakes in your car, or you know, um, you know, there are lots of plenty of embedded systems out there, and then you can establish a connection to that from your uh, main development machine over a serial, you know, interface or what have you, and then you can basically poke around the internals of the embedded system. And uh, write values to registers, see what's happening, and kind of build up your system you know, in small
0: uh, chunks and pieces. Okay, so so a toaster, you can program a toaster or a fridge, or yeah, that...
2: yeah, uh, yeah. So it... and unfortunately, or, or probably unfortunately, uh, a lot of people. It's not very fourth is 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 really niche. It's completely niche, even within the embedded systems world. Uh, most of the people actually using Java uh, C. Oh. Not not Java, but C. They're using uh, C to to develop embedded systems. Um, now, I uh, I was attracted to 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 the simplicity of forth, and to the challenge of um, you know of, of of doing that particular project. I did it to you know simply to learn forth, which I didn't know before, and uh, to do something you know hardcore and interesting on on the Mac, um, but. I haven't used it for anything since then.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, I kind of tried to envision. Well, you know, I could, I could write um, uh, a, a web server. Or I could write this. I could write that. But it's it kind of it boils down to well, do I want to spend my time, uh, uh, you know, re-inventing wheels? Basically, do I want to yeah. write my own web libraries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? It makes sense to do it when you know when you're working on this. Embedded systems, but uh, it doesn't make any sense to do that on, on the desktop.
0: But there's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, in the future, things like toasters and fridges will be on the net, will be, you know, will be all linked together via um, TCP/IP. So mm-hmm. is that the kind of scenario where fourth and embedded systems could be useful?
2: Probably, well, the thing is that nowadays, or, or, or at least when that time comes, all those um, fridges and toasters would probably have plenty of memory in them to, write, to run something like
0: uh, Erlang, perhaps. Okay. So, uh, so, so you, so you would solve the, really the
1: memory issue. I see. Hmm? Or yeah, Java. I mean, Java or, or, or it could be you know, Java, yeah, Java may Java. end up being the solution just because that's what so many people know, and yeah, you can exactly. run it virtual machine can be ported to any of these embedded systems as long as they have enough memory. Is, is that, or processing power, is that, you think that's about right, Joel?
2: Mm, no, I, I <laughs> embedded systems are not my forte, but from talking, no, well, from, from reading up um, on what people are using, I, I wouldn't say Java you know, would be it. Uh, it's, again, most of the most, oh, actually, people use, uh, yeah, people use C They use Forth, and they they also use um, Ada. Uh, I'm sure you heard of that language. The the government
0: mandated. So can I ask? I've got another question. Um, When you when you're working, what's your sort of most indispensable tools? What do you use on a daily basis to do your job as a developer, and and why and why do you love them? I don't need much. (laughs) My my greatest tool is
2: uh, is probably Emacs, Emacs, and TextMate.
0: Yeah, I think and that's... the
2: terminal, the terminal window.
0: Yeah, I was I was hoping you were going to say something like that because you sound like that kind of a hardcore <laughs> developer.
2: Now I, I I read through um through your blog well blog site, um and I actually noticed uh, at at one point that you guys don't um, advocate working. Um, uh, bidding on 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 your fixed price on on project and yeah. that you really like working on an hourly basis well I hate working on an hourly basis i, <laughs> I don 't work on an hourly basis at, at all all the projects that I do i uh, I, 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 I put a fixed price on them and that 's the price I give to the customer and that's the price i'm I'm held to um, and it well, I've been consulting since um, 97 but well let's take the the, the past say five, six years yep. it has worked out you know perfectly for me I, I'd say that i uh, uh, once I even made uh, several thousand uh well, it was euro I think even
0: uh, so over ten thousand dollars in a single week, so you're probably uh, better at estimating than us then because i think we i we we're, we're mm-hmm. the kind of guys who say oh yeah i can do that in 10 minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it ends up being 2 weeks whereas you're probably the kind of guy who says i can do that in 2 weeks and it takes you 2 weeks so that's fine it, you know it, if you've, if you've usually got the-, the the key here is to for, to make sure that it it in, in you know
2: most probably takes you a little a little less than 2 weeks because you you do need a certain margin um but uh, the reason i bring it up even is that that particular poker project poker server testing project was the only project where i had where i bid uh to do it in a month and i actually spent 3 months on it
0: wow so you had one, so you had one experience like the the experience that we have we've had yeah, a few of. but it, it it
2: was it was entirely my own fault it was entirely my my own fault i took the risk i decided to learn you know a new language to use a new language to kind of like do it uh, as as trial by fire, and then uh, i i I used it as an opportunity well I, I think it was kind of like my um my uh, my my pride on the line there so i i I decided to actually uh, you know. To 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 try to deliver what I originally promised to honor it. Yeah, and yeah, uh,
0: exactly. I mean, I I would never not finish a project that I quoted for, and that's that's probably the problem because you know I think a lot of a lot of uh, coders have have a strong pride about that that you know we don't want to fail. We want to make sure that you get what you ask for. You know.
1: Yeah, you know, and one thing I would say too is that it's not that I advocate against doing fixed bid. I just had some bad experiences, and I'd prefer not to do it. I think, from a business standpoint, if you're a customer and you want, you need something built, it's much easier to get that thing, get the budget approved, and get it going. If you say, well, this is cost us five thousand, or ten thousand, or fifty thousand, or whatever it is, and then it just you know, we're going to get it. And if we don't, there's, you know, going to be a lawsuit or so. It's we're not
0: just to... the managing feature creep, you know, managing feature creep is the issue with that, with the yeah. fixed bid. Stuff.
1: Yeah. So I, all, all I'm saying is, is independent. Uh, my whole point is independent developers. I'd prefer not to do it because, um, you know, if in order to make a fixed bid and make sure that I'm not going to underbid and make sure that I'm not overbidding so far, you're not giving yourself so much cushion that it's, uh, that it's overpricing it and that in which case I'll, I won't win the bid at all, um, requires a lot of upfront analysis or careful analysis. And if you are forced to do that a number of times, it doesn't pay out. You end up spending a lot of time just doing a lot of spec work and never getting any projects. So it kind of sucks from that standpoint. Now, if you get a lot of projects or you're quick at estimating them or whatever. And they work out fine. I mean, I'm not advocating anyone do anything. I'm just telling people that's what I've done. I've gotten burned on the fixed bids, So I prefer not to, um, but, you know, it's just like everything else in writing software development. You know, everybody kind of has their way of doing things, the the platforms they like, the languages they like, the, you know, the way they dig to do business and everybody kind of figures out their own way. I mean, even when we talked uh, in our, on our previous show with um, Peldi from Balsamica, he didn't do any marketing. Whereas the week, week before, we talked to Sam from uh, QueryCell, and he's like, yeah, I think marketing is going to be a huge deal. I'm going to focus a lot on it. So, you know, it had already been proven by Peldi that, hey, you build a great product and you your marketing is solely just writing some informal blog post, and you it works. So I don't think he didn't do any marketing, but it's just he didn't he didn't spend as much time as we
0: thought because there's a, there's a large presence of um, what what it looks like when you're looking from the outside to, to Peldi's story is it looks like he spent a lot of time PRing. But it isn't that. It's just that he's been interesting, and he's been posting to the blog, and as a result, people have contacted him, and he's then gone out and done interviews, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when he's doing yeah. those interviews, that is marketing. But it's just it hasn't been his primary focus. I guess you're right. Well, I mean that's, that's, fair that's, that's fair enough. That's
2: Precisely my approach, actually. Um, you know, that's precisely the way I work. I, I I I am a big believer in marketing, but it's kind of like how do you how do you how do I market myself as a developer? well i probably fell into it by accident but uh all i uh, i normally don't even seek out clients clients just come to me people who read my blog uh they may may say well hey you know we heard about you heard about this project or read, read your blog and uh we have this you know problem well you know would you mind solving it using erlang perhaps but uh these people they wouldn't have come to me uh, if I haven't written all these articles in my blog that are interested to, interesting to a lot of people.
0: So you've put stuff out there; it's on Google. People are people are, Goog- are searching for you know these terms, and they they're stumbling across your blog. They're reading your words and finding them interesting and, and contacting you.
2: I suppose so. I suppose that's how it works. And uh, uh, I even um, I think well normally I. Uh, I have to work um, about about a, every week out of a month, just a week out of a month. Okay, or, or, or... or in other words, uh, three three months out of a year to, now you're just to showing maintain. Off. I'm no, no, I'm not showing off. I'm just <laughs> uh, that's that's just uh, statistics. I actually calculated that um, I to maintain you know a decent standard of living that yeah. lets me uh, you know buy hardware. Uh, expensive Mac hardware, and you know, all, all kinds of spend. Uh, uh, you know, six weeks out of the uh, out out of the first half of a year sailing, for example, just out at sea.
1: Um, I'm, loving but, yeah, I'm loving this guy's life. I'm loving this guy's life. I want to hear. Uh, we're gonna have to get more into minute. I hope you have
2: seen the pictures. Uh, yeah, yeah. T- so, tell us
0: about your life. Tell us about you—you you know, you sailing on the Caribbean Ocean. I really want to hear about. Oh, well,
1: he lives—he lives in Tenerife, right? <laughs> Which is okay, off the yeah, great. That's the, that's the
0: Atlantic Ocean, but but
2: let me let me finish the the, 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 the my last thought uh, for for a moment about marketing. Um, uh, what I meant to say is that I haven't uh, had had a really dry spell from uh, for about nine months from about uh, from last summer until about March or or, or so. Um, and I think uh, the reason I had that dry spell, I kind of thought, well, gee, you know, clients are not coming to me anymore with Erlang projects. Uh, maybe it's because Erlang sucks and you know I shouldn't be doing Erlang anymore. Uh, perhaps too many people got into Erlang but ultimately i think it's the it's it's because i have i stopped i have stopped posting cool um erlang articles um in my blog you know to my blog yeah. i have stopped uh, poking around erlang digging up interesting bits you know research etcetera etc cetera. so it's i think ultimately it it came down to my own lack of marketing that I mean, the way I
1: found you were articles that you wrote in 2005 and 2006, right? This writing low-paying, massively scalable multiplayer servers was written in uh, July of 2005. And yep. uh, this other one about uh, Haskell versus Erlang Reloaded, I think, was uh, June. Uh, that, was, that was more recent, I guess, right? I mean, you wrote that. Um, but when, when that? But okay. when you see that date. That was 2006. That was January 2006. 2006. You know, yeah. That date's not going to be
0: inspiring, is it, to anyone reading it? So they're going to be reading it in 2006, I think. 2009 now. I hmm, Don't know. I don't know. Is this
1: guy? You know, is this guy current? Is he in date? Well, I don't know if it's that. I mean, it's just like you know, new stuff comes up, and if it's older stuff that's sitting around, there's probably people aren't linking to it because it's no, it's old it's, news.
2: it's still, it's still, it, it's not old news with Erlang because Erlang hasn't changed much since then. Okay. Right. It's kind of like this this solid approach that you use over and over again. And uh, you know the team behind Erlang, they don't—they they actually uh, don't like changing it too much. Uh, they prefer to improve the internals you know, and keep the external interface the same. So basically, all the stuff that I have written before is still—it's still valid. Hmm. So so I, I think it. the
1: less—I think the lesson here, which is you know, which what was advocated or demonstrated by Peldi, and which uh, uh, Joel is, is is advocating, which is that. Look, if if you want to get work, if you want to get attention, whatever it is, then you need to put yourself out on the web and talk about interesting things that you're doing that uh, that are related to it. So um, Peldy just didn't say, hey, you know, uh, balsamic is the coolest product in the world. Everyone should buy it. He talked about the interesting aspects of starting this company up and, and, and other things that well, people found like interesting.
0: Well, it's like the old writing adage, adage, you know, show, don't tell.
1: You right. Know, show, right. Show the – Show the characters, show the color, don't actually tell it. Right, and so Joel is not saying, hey, I'm great at Erlang, here's my resume. He's writing these these cool articles about how he built these projects in Erlang yeah, exactly. and did these things. And if you stop doing that, you know, there, or you stop posting in your blog, you know, you slowly start to fall out of sight. And, um, yeah, I guess, uh, right, and... Um, yeah. anyway so let's let's get to uh some of, so you, let's, talk got this sort of interesting... let's talk about yeah, his life
0: let's talk about him sailing on the boat and then does he work with a team and all that kind of interesting stuff
1: yeah yeah uh, because he's, yeah. he's sort of the fantasy it's sort of the fantasy life so you know <laughs> it's like you know there's a couple different versions of the fantasy program either you're working at xerox park or you're some big research and you're doing something cool or you're part of some really hot startup that's going to be it's going to be a really big deal, Silicon Valley, or something, or maybe you're this uh, this uh, you know uh, independent developer sailing around the world, and people come to you because you know all this uh, really uh, you know high end or obscure stuff, and you can just kind of dictate the terms. And it sounds like you fall in the last category. I mean, you're you live in Tenerife and uh, you sail, and uh, you know work three months of the year. All right, so let's hear the story. What is this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well. I do live in Tenerife. Yeah, Tenerife is, uh, is actually part of Spain on uh, a chain of islands, seven islands. Uh, there are seven islands, Canary Islands, in the Atlantic off the coast of Africa. And Tenerife is, uh, is just one of the islands, one of the, uh, well, the biggest one, uh, I'd say. And um, I, well, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually very nice. It's the islands of the Eternal Spring. Very nice weather, you know, beautiful weather, beautiful landscape, et cetera, et cetera. I know, I've been there uh, on a yoga
0: retreat. <laughs> oh. <yeah. laughs> it's really, really lovely out there. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. So keep sorry.
2: You know, I can easily work three months out of a year and then do nothing, you know, the rest of the time. It's not
0: quite the way it
2: happens. Uh, you know, I, I may work uh, several weeks, have a really hardcore project for several weeks and then I just take you know some time off. Um, but the key here is that my burn rate is 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 quite low. Um, I don't have a mortgage. I rent. I actually rent a, a townhouse. Um, and um, so, do you, and have a, do you have a sailboat? I don't have a sailboat yet. Um, I actually want a sailboat, and uh, i I'm. I'm really, uh, you know. Trying to think what I need to change in my in my current approach to make sure I you know I, I I can buy that sailboat. You know, what
0: would be great if you could have a sailboat like Jim Clark's, and you had like an Erlang system controlling it, and it was like sailing around the world.
1: Yeah, no, that would be yeah, a yeah, great mark. That would be a great marketing or PR not right? So it's like the <laughs> Erlang controls my sailboat blog, and you write all this cool Erlang code, and it's like completely automated. I was and- telling my, I was yeah. telling my.
0: I was telling my wife um, that that we were interviewing um, an Erlang specialist today, and she said you should call the show. You had me at Erlang. <laughs> right. <laughs> but just before we go, um, I was just wondering: Are you? Uh, do you have any interesting projects in the pipeline that you'd be prepared to talk about, or you know, you're working on anything? Any well, new stuff? It, it
2: kind of kind of dovetails with the sailboat. <laughs> uh, I, I do want a sailboat, but unfortunately, you, you can't quite uh, um, you know, buy a sailboat if you only work three months out of a year. Uh, you know, it's a nice, cof- comfortable uh, living, but, but it doesn't um, you know, doesn't quite afford you a sailboat. And as far as I'm concerned, you, you, I, I really want to build a product. Okay. So I want to build a product, sell a product and i'm thinking um, it's either going to be a, a trading platform for the
0: mac or it's going to be tools for erlang i think a good rule of thumb is if you're personally passionate about it then it's it and and it's a problem that that will help you you know are you prepared to spend the next 10 years working on this problem or the next 5 years or whatever so i mean are you are you passionate i'm, also, I'm asking you are you passionate about building that trading system on the mac
2: um, <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. But you know, again, I, I it's 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 it, it. also depends on you know how you on how you adjust the you know tweak the knobs in 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 your mind. Because what I have found is that uh, often I uh, I may not be pa- passionate about something. I wasn't passionate about Erlang for for a few months, for those nine nine months, but then. You know, I, I managed to convince myself that Erlang is is still something that's quite exciting.
0: Okay. So
2: perhaps I can convince myself that you know that trading platform is 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 indeed exciting. Hmm. That's an interesting. So bridge. it's uh, definitely the, the point is that bludgeon your I, I brain really into being interested
0: into something. Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, I I think you know you want a sale bot. You need to build products. You need to sell
0: products. Yeah. So
2: that's kind of.
0: Well, but yeah. uh, that's the way forward. But you're, but, I mean, you're, you're sort of passionate about sailing and, and sailboats. <laughs> maybe, oh, yeah. a, maybe, maybe there's a product yeah. related to sailing and sailboats. You know.
2: Yeah, I thought about it, but no, no, not quite yet. Quite no. yet. I'm as far as the interesting stuff to do. I'm, I'm kind of searching for it. I'm, I'm, I have narrowed my choice, uh, you know, to a couple of things. But uh, maybe I'm, I'll find, you know, a third option that I'll really go with. So I'll definitely be writing, you know, writing about it on, on, the, on my blog and writing more about Erlang, that's for sure.
0: What would be a good, what would be a good um, place for people to go to, to suggest ideas for you, <laughs> to suggest things Such for jo- you? Oh, um, Twitter. Twitter is excellent. Um, okay, so t- so tw- twitter.com forward slash, who, who are you on Twitter? Wager Labs. Wager Labs.
2: Wager Labs. Yeah, just tweet things, you know, tweet ideas and suggestions to me. I do read all the comments posted on my blog, but it's kind of like, you know, if you want to send something to me via the blog, you have to comment on some post that may not exactly be relevant to what you're trying to write about.
1: Or yeah, just so you if, know,
2: send me an email directly.
1: And so if anybody's looking for an expert in uh, Erlang or, you know, building an embedded system in forth or whatever, you're the guy to go to, I guess, right? I mean, Yeah. If anyone who's listening to this um, has anything they'd like us to discuss, uh, just send
0: an email to podcast at techzinglive.com. Um, also, if you know any, if, if you know anyone who you think would like this show, we'd totally appreciate it if you could send them a link to techzinglive.com uh, where you can listen to the show on demand or you can subscribe via iTunes. So I think that's it. Thanks a lot, Joel. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah, Joel, it was a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks so much. Okay, well, that's a wrap. We're out.